Mark, the fifth chapter, verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, my little, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, suffered many things and many physicians, and spent all that she had in was nothing better. In, in, in the middle of Jesus going to help this man who fell at his feet when he saw him, this lady comes and says, hey, God, I need you too. And she comes and she says, God, if I, she says, if I could touch your garment, I know I'll be made whole. And so she presses through the crowd and she reaches up and she touches him and the Bible said virtue came from him and he knew something happened. See, when he's in the midst and he's in the middle, and someone's desperate enough and they reach out and they touch him, he stops and he says, who touched me? Somebody touched me. I feel virtue flowing from me. Somebody touched me. There's something about the desperate one. The desperate one. So he looked around. He saw her. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of this plague. So we go to verse 39. And when he was coming... He saith unto them. So, so this is all done. He, he did this miracle in the midst of a miracle. And so now he's making it to Jairus' house. And so verse 39, he comes in and he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth into where the damsel was lying and he took the damsel by the hand and he said unto her, Talitha Kami. Is that right, Brother Carson? All right. Which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. When he saw him, he fell and worshipped him. He fell and worshipped him. There's another moment in the word of God similar. A moment of a desperate one in Luke, the seventh chapter. And one of the Pharisees in verse number 36, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet him. Behold, a woman in the city, she was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. The Pharisees, they, they saw it and 
spoke within themselves, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. What a mark. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he saith, Master, say on. He gives this parable. Then we go down to verse number 44. He turned to the woman and he said unto Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. I was in the middle of you. And you gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with tears. And she wiped them with the hairs of her head. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, since the moment I came in the room, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Since I came in the room, she hasn't stopped. She's just kept going. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say to thee, her sins, which are many, they're forgiven, for she loved much. Verse 45, go back. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, since the moment I was there, she hasn't stopped. Another version said it that way. You didn't give me a kiss. But this woman, from the moment I came in, has not stopped kissing my feet. I'm going to talk to you today on this thought, this moment with him. This moment with him. Can you lift up your hands and your voices all across the room today? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you right now. God, I need this moment with you. I need to be in this moment with you, God. Help me to see it and understand it and know you are in the room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, here I am, desperate for you. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. The Holy Ghost is moving already. Thank you, Jesus. God, I just want this moment. I just need this moment. Lost with you. This moment in your presence. This moment where you are, God. I don't want to miss it. Oh, God. You may be seated. Oh, God, I want this moment with you. Here's the question for today. What is it that you see in this moment? Mark 5 and 22 said, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers in the synagogue. It was Jairus. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. When he saw him, it was about what he saw. You see, there's a power in what you see. There's a power in your vision. And I'm not talking about a vision for the future. In a church setting like this, a lot of times when we talk about vision, we're often talking about what's to come. 
in the years ahead, a, a vision for what God is going to do. And that's all true and important and amazing and needed things. But in focusing too much on the future, sometimes I think we miss what vision really is at its foundation. God will give you a vision, yes, but vision in and of itself, it's not about the future. It's about what you see right now. You may hear the doctor say you have 20-20 vision, perfect vision. That doesn't mean you see beyond the walls and beyond the trees, but it means you see clearly the environment that you're in in this moment. It's about this moment. Your sight, it's the most important sense that your body has. Vision is powerful. Your eyes can focus on 50 different subjects every second. You can see almost 10 million different colors. What you see is powerful. Why? Because it shapes your perspective. It shapes your understanding. It connects you to the environment that you're in. It connects you to what is surrounding you. It's medically and widely understood that 80% of what you perceive in the real world comes from what you see. 80% of what you learn comes from your sight. There is power in vision. Though they accompany each other, there is a difference, although, between sight and vision. One doctor said it like this, sight is physical, a sensory experience in which light reflects off of shapes and objects and the eyes then focus that light. Signals are sent to the brain to be converted into images, but vision then comes in. And what it is, is how the mind interprets those images. Sight allows a person to witness an event. But vision helps the person understand the significance of and draw interpretation of that event. So sight and vision is what do I see in this moment and how am I interpreting it? What do I see in this moment and how significant is it to me? How important is this moment to me? You see, this is the key to a heart of worship that is never satisfied with the singular experience of God. What you see is going to be what you see. It's here. It's there. But why is it significant to you? Here in God's presence, I see his love all around me. But then the question is, how important is that moment of his love to me? What does his love mean to me? Here in God's presence, I see his mercy all surrounding. But the question is, how important is the moment in his mercy? What does that moment mean to me? Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples, they went away to Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And verse 17, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, it's about what you see. 
And when they saw him, when they saw him, they worshiped him. What did they see? They saw Jesus. How important was that moment to them? It was worth everything. What did this moment mean? Seeing Jesus in the midst, it meant everything to them. How do you know? Because they saw him and then they fell and worshiped him. What does the moment mean when he steps into the room? What does it mean to you today? The last three words of that verse, but some doubted. Hmm, some doubted. So now the question becomes more direct. When Jesus is in the room, what are you going to do? When Jesus enters the room, what are you going to do? When he's in the midst of his people, what does that mean to you? Is it everything or is it nothing? I wonder if there's anybody in the room who feels the same way that I feel. That when Jesus enters the room, it means everything. When love enters the room, it means everything. When his mercy fills the tabernacle, it means everything. Why don't you lift up your hands and worship the Lord? Some worshiped, some doubted. What's it mean to you this moment? That's it, that's it. Lift your hands. Hallelujah. Oh, oh God, this moment means everything. I'm desperate for a moment with you. When they saw him, they worshiped him. What do you do when you see him? I worship you. the heart of the desperate the heart of the desperate desperate for this moment with him desperate for this experience with him Psalm 121 the psalmist said I will lift up mine eyes I lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord Verse 1 and 2, the psalmist, he told us what he's going to do. I lift up my eyes. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see my help coming. And then the question to him is, what are you going to do? And verses number 3 through 8, he tells us what he's going to do. And he just starts worshiping. I love it. I love it. I see it. And I worship he says in verse 3, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel will not slumber or sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. What's he doing? He's worshiping. Why? He sees the help coming. What do you see today? What do you see today? And the question for you is what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to what you see? Lift up your hands one more time in the room. Oh, that's it. That's it.
this moment with him. Hallelujah. Job 42. Then Job answered the Lord and he said, I know that thou can do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye. But now my eye sees you. I see you, God. What does this moment mean to Job? Well, we find out in verse 6. He said, now I see you, so I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. What's the point? The point is, when you see him, what are you going to do? Don't miss this moment with him in the room. I see you. Now my eye sees you. And because of that, will you fall and worship him or will you doubt? What are you going to do? For Job, it was here I am. He's in the room today. What are you going to do about it? Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Lord, here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Mm. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes unless they see with their eyes. They hear with their ears. They understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Dr. Miles Monroe said, sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. He's in this room. I see him. And so what am I going to do? Knowing he's right here. Back to our Matthew 28, 16. And they saw him and they worshiped him, but some doubted him. I see your love all around me. Does it mean everything or does it mean nothing? Can I tell you today what it means to me? When I see his love in, in, a, in a service like we're experiencing this morning during our worship so, uh, service and we sing good, good father. Can I tell you when I think of that love and I feel that love and I see his love all around me, what it means to me. Is it everything or is it nothing? Well, it means to me that God was manifest in the flesh and it means he bore my sin and he carried my shame and arms were spread on a cross and his hands were pierced and his feet were pierced. It means a crown of thorns and blood pouring from his side. What does it mean to you? His love's in the room. His love is in the room. Oh. Woo! 
when I sing, oh, how he loves. Are those lyrics on the screen? No, it's so much more than that. It's what those lyrics mean to me. It's I'm hearing him say, it is finished. It's the curse of sin being broken. It's God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's that he did it all for me and he did it all for you. Why did he do it? I don't know. But for some reason, he thought we were worth it. He thought you were worth it. Ephesians 2 and 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sin quickened us together with Christ his love is here and I see his love here I see his presence here in this moment what does it mean to me this concept this idea this is what can change how we approach his his presence where songs aren't just songs The songwriter said, great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been and forever will be. And great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. And great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. He goes on, summer and winter, springtime and harvest, the sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all of nature and manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. He says, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings are mine with 10,000 beside. And great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faith. When we sing that song, what is it that matters most in this moment? Is it the melody? No. Though it is so beautiful. Is it the fact it was written years ago? No. Though it is so timeless. What is it then that brings me to tears? It's that in this moment, I look around and I see his faithfulness. I see his faithfulness and what it means to me. What does it mean? It means he's been faithful to me back then. And he's faithful to me now. And he'll be faithful to me tomorrow. It's that he never left me and he never will. It's he chooses to remind me every morning with the rising of the sun. That he will always be there. He will always I see him, and so God, this is what I'm going to do. It means everything. How many remember that song, When We All Get to Heaven? Oh, Brother Timothy, that song's too old. 
that song's not my style. You see, that's the problem. When our preferences dictate how I worship, my worship can't be because of my preferences. My worship is about what I see and what this moment means to me. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. And when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. What's this moment mean to you? What's this moment while we walk the pilgrim pathway clouds will overspread the sky but when traveling days are over not a shadow not a sigh onward to the prize before us soon his beauty will behold soon the pearly grates will open and we will tread the streets of gold What's this moment mean to me? It means I see a blessed hope. I see eternity with my king and it means everything. I see a prize worth fighting for. I see endless oceans of praise and worship flowing in the heavens. I wonder if you could lift up your hands all across the room. He's here. What are you going to do with this moment? That's it. That's it. That's it. Hey. Someday he's coming back. I can't wait for that day. First Thessalonians, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and forever will be with the Lord. That's what this moment means to me forever at the feet of Jesus. Romans 8, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. I, I see this moment. I'm trying to help us today. I'm trying to help us understand worship and being in his presence. It's not about us. It's about seeing him and deciding what does this moment mean to me? If we understand this concept, if we understand the power of our vision, if we can get to the place where every time we come together is another opportunity, we tell him how much this moment means. There's no telling what God will do among us. When I sing of glorious day, 
I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. But it, it was my tomb till I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness and into your glorious day. I needed rescued. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. But you called me a citizen of heaven. I was broken. You were my healing. And now your love is the air that I breathe. I have a future. My eyes, my eyes are open. Because when you called my name, I ran out of that crate. Is it the beat that moves me? Well, I do love the beat, but no, it's not the beat. Is it the melody? I do love the melody, but it's not about the melody. It's the fact Jesus didn't have to do it, but he did. He loved me when I was unlovable. He brought me in when everyone pushed me out. He breathed life in me when I was wrapped in a tomb. He called my name. He gave me new identity. That's what this moment means to me. I don't care what genre of music it is. I don't care if it was written in 2020 or 1950. If it's got a choir or a praise team, a rapper or a banjo player. Because when Jesus is in the room, that's all that matters to me. That's all that matters to me. This moment with the king. This moment with the king. Lift up your hands and your voices all across the room. People say to me all the time, you've got too much energy. I laugh it off, but can I be honest? I don't know how else to be. I don't know how else to be. If you knew what the statistics were for me. If you knew what they said I was going to be. Where I was going to end up, you would be just as excited. <laughs> if you knew the broken home I came from, if you knew the alcohol in my household, statistics weren't on my side. That's why when we sing, he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. I didn't know what that was like until I met. 
This moment with him, it means everything. I'm not saying we need to be cookie cutter worshipers. That we all need to worship the same. But I am saying it's so vital that we find desperate worship. What desperate worship looks like inside of each of us. And we pursue that with all of our heart every chance we get. Psalm 42, as the heart panteth after the water books, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. It's not how high you can jump. It is your soul panting for him. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Psalm 103, the psalmist says, bless the Lord. Oh my soul and all that is within me. Desperate worship comes from the soul. Whatever that looks like to you, find it, pursue it. If it's dancing, dance. If it's jumping, jump. If it's shouting, shout. If it means you have to sit there and wave your hand, wave your hand the best you can. Whatever desperate worship looks like. If it means tears, let them go. Let them fall. Find desperate worship and pursue it every moment with him. Oh, that's it. Lift your hands. I wonder where the desperate worshipers are. Are you desperate this morning? Are you desperate? (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm almost done. Almost done. Desperate worship is seeing him and letting him know what this moment means to be in his presence. What it means to experience his love. To experience that pursuit that he uh, chases you with day and day and day. What would happen if in our services we stopped caring so much about following worship protocol? What if we stop telling God when he can and cannot move in our programs and our schedules? What if, what if we decided that every moment in his presence means seeing him and responding that this moment matters more than my agenda? What would happen if during worship we didn't wait for others to come to the front? We just came on our own. Pouring it out, not for a show, but just because of what this moment means to me. 
if right in our seat in the middle of a song we stop singing the lyrics we stop looking at the screen and we closed our eyes and we just started crying and weeping and shouting not worried about what the person next to us thinks but just because he's in the room and this moment means everything to me When Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings and Wednesdays, when it doesn't matter what day it is, but my worship is consistent because I have an understanding he's in the room. What would happen? What would happen? What would happen if we realized that the altar call isn't just for selected people? But it's for me every time. Somewhere, somewhere along the way, we created this idea that an altar, an altar call, it's just for the person who's never experienced God. When the truth is every altar is for me and it's for you. What would happen if in our service at every altar call we just came? When Pastor Robinson is preaching on mercy, we don't start looking around and saying, oh, you know, that person gets, that person needs, that, no. But instead we said, God, I need mercy. <laughs> when the preacher is preaching about grace and we're not like, hey, that person or that person, instead we're like, oh, God, I need grace. The preacher starts talking about sin. Oh, I know what they did. And oh, forget that. I'm a sinner. Oh, but they're going to think, who cares what they think? Just come. Just come. I see his mercy and I need it every day. I see his grace and I need it every day. I see forgiveness. I see his love. I see his joy. I need it every day. If you think I'm going to tell you to come, I'm not going to tell you to come. That's up to you. That's up to the desperate worshiper. When they saw him, they worshiped. <laughs> Moses cried out and he said, I beseech ye, show me your glory. And the Bible says the Lord descended in the cloud, stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by before him and Moses made haste, bowed his head and worshiped. God, I want to see your glory. That's what Moses said. And when the glory passed by, the Bible said Moses worshiped. walking by this moment what are you going to do
Jesus rose from the grave appeared unto the disciples the Bible said they were scared when he showed up but they saw him they said well what is that who is that Jesus said to them it's me look at my hands look at my fight my feet he said see and behold me see and handle me and then in verse 52 of this chapter the Bible says and they worshiped him why it's because of what the holes in his hands meant what the holes in his feet meant what it meant to see him alive what it meant to see him carried away into the heavens what it meant for the promise of power soon to come they understood the importance of this moment it meant everything what's this moment mean to you today